Welcome to the No-Till Farmer Podcast, brought to you by Yetter Farm Equipment. I'm Michaela Pogner, Managing Editor at No-Till Farmer. Today's episode of the podcast is the third in our series with No-Till Farmer's 2023 Conservation Ag Operator Fellow, Lauren Steinlogge of West Union, Iowa. Jonathan Correa, owner of La Cosecha Tortilla Company in Madison, Wisconsin, and No-Till legend Dave Brandt from Carroll, Ohio, join Lauren to talk about how they've built a mutually beneficial partnership that lifts the health of their communities in a variety of ways. Uh, yeah, so my name is Jonathan Correa and I uh, own and operate a tortilleria in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, we process um, uh, local grains and uh, also some uh, heirloom grains from Mexico into tortillas, tortilla chips. Uh, we recently started uh, experimenting with doing um, hominy grits as well. Um, and um, yeah, we've been doing that for about three years. Previous to that, I uh, have about two, about 10 years of uh, experience working as a cook in around the Madison area, as well as um, working as a farm hand for some local organic farmers and doing a little bit of uh, vegetable production myself. And how did you and Lauren get connected? Well, so Facebook ad. Ori- so originally I was I was listening to the the regenerative agriculture podcast, and that's kind of how I discovered a, an interview with uh, John Kemp did with Lauren, and added him on uh, Facebook, and then he posted some pictures of some open pollinated corn that he was growing, and wanted to. I just reached out to him to kind of see what he was doing with that, and wanted to get connected and. Right away, he just invited me out here to to come talk a little bit and talk about what I was doing, what he was doing, and um, that's kind of how we got. You wanted connected. to learn how to grow corn. Yeah, what, I wanted to learn. Yeah, I wanted and to learn. And then when yeah. I heard what he was capable of, it's like, uh, no, you better focus on what you're good at. Yeah, and you know, he he's one of the missing links so many of us are looking for. And it's uh, it's kind of a small world too, because when I was. Uh, when I was really young as a cook and working as a farmhand and things like that, I was trying to, one thing I was missing was learning about, uh, you know, taking care of the soil and, you know, uh, improving soils and things like that. And early on, I started finding Dave's work and, you know, Ray Archuleta and, and, the, and, these, and these guys that were, were talking about uh, cover cropping and regenerative agriculture and things like that. And I would say just finding your work and Ray's work and everything is kind of what led me to finding John and what led me to finding Lauren. And so it's uh, it's pretty pretty cool uh, how this has kind of all come together. So, and in terms of the food that you're producing, how what difference do you see by using things that you're getting from Lauren versus conventionally grown ingredients? Well, the biggest thing is flavor. I would say. Um, is the biggest difference when you're working directly with farmers and working um, directly with people and it's fresher too and a lot of in in my industry a lot of tortillas are made with uh, industrial corn flours it's known as uh, like one is like they call it maseca or masa arena which is essentially uh, masa that's been produced with like industrial like more commodity corn and then dried down into a uh, into a powder that you can just add water to mm-hmm. um, so when you're doing the the fresh nixtamalizing and fresh grinding and fresh processing the flavors far superior that's what a lot of my customers say that when they try our tortillas they're like wow this is this is so much better um, then the nutrition too. I think that that's a big thing, um, and one thing that I've and Lauren and I have talked a little bit about is trying to better understand the n- nutritional aspect of things and 
having uh, more like concrete evidence of like, okay, this actually is legitimately more nutritious other than just being more flavorful. Because right. um, it's interesting too, when you start to, the different varieties can have different flavors. Um, some are a little sweeter, some can be a little bit more grassy, some can be, um, you know, more mild. And it's, uh, it's, it's really fun once you start uh, trying different varieties and, and how, especially nixtamalization, how that can kind of change the flavor and um, of things. And when I get into the more like creative side of things, that's really fun because then you can, you can um, pair the proteins or the salsas or the, the other ingredients with the corn and, and um, even texturally too, um, some corn, for, for me personally, since mostly I, I just work with corn, some corn varieties are, are better for tortillas, um, but that same variety might not be good for chips or tostadas or uh, grit or polenta, those sorts of things. So it's, um, it's, it's fun to be able to kind of figure out those nuances and, and um, see what applications they have that are best. How much corn are you typically picking up at a time? Well, right now we're processing probably about five bushels a week. I would say uh, in the summertime when uh, our restaurant customers were um, busier, we were doing almost, not quite double that, but almost. Okay. Um, but again, this is just across probably like five or six customers, you know, with some small retail consumers and a farmer's market and things like that. Um, so that's kind of where we're at currently with, with uh, the volume that we're going through. Sure. And then from this question is for both of you guys. What do you think makes your relationship work? Openness. Yeah. I mean, just willing to think outside the box and, you know, what's the potential? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's, and just, yeah, open communication and um, there's no, I feel like there's, since day one, we've just had this uh, this open dialogue and being willing to just like challenge each other. You know, he really, <laughs> I think Lauren sometimes pushes me um, a little bit more than maybe I'm I'm ready to like go. But I like that because I a need lot. challenge. But I but but I like that because I I, I think that um, that that offers up challenges and that offers up new ideas. And I think that when you're you're willing to to listen to what other people have to say and listen to their experiences it only improves you know what what's going on like it only improves you can only improve your perspective and improve um you know and create more opportunities and i think that's i think that yeah that's for me like lauren has done nothing but create opportunities and create created new ideas and just um i think just it's it's been really amazing having that open dialogue with him yeah. well and it, it's it's fun to sit back and watch from afar to see what he's been able to do hasn't been easy no but <clears throat> to see the potential is is you know the way i used to describe it is you know when you see the right young person and you're not afraid to invest in them it's fun to watch on the same side, you know, we, we've had young people that we've tried to invest in and time and effort and stuff like that. Not everybody's going to work. So even on the failures there, you try to learn how can we help better moving forward. And uh, like I said, it just, it's fun to sit back and watch and see what he's focused on and where, where the potential is now.
What is one way that he's pushed you that maybe you weren't expecting or that's helped you move forward or? Well, I think one, one thing that comes to mind immediately is just the um, pushing me to maybe move faster and, and, and maybe grow faster. Um, and he, and also just pushing me to kind of put myself out there more like interviews like this or like coming down and, and catering, you know, multiple days of, of events that he's doing and pushing me into, you know, um, just conversations with people and in and, and different areas that um, otherwise I wouldn't have the opportunity. Um, and, uh, and I think that's, I mean, that's been really valuable for me. And then Lauren, what, what are you looking for when you're identifying those younger, either food producers or farmers that you're wanting to mentor and help? I don't know if I'd really say I'm looking for anything other than <laughs> potential. I mean, I go back to the first time he reached out, you know, he was just asking for help. And, you know, the corn, corn was the introduction, but then when you start hearing the drive and ambition and what he wanted to do and what he was capable of doing, it's just, it's no different what we would do with young farmers. But it's taken it to that next level. How do we connect the farmers to the food? Right here it is. You know, if he'd be as pushable as I would hope, he'd be... Have the factory right here at the farm. <laughs> he's bucking me pretty hard on that yeah, one. Yeah. So you he, know, he's he's not afraid to buck back. So that that's part of the yin and yang. And yeah. But there's a re- you know, it's no different way my dad always was. You know, my dad pushed me, and if you walk through the door, he'd help open the next door. And you know, it's my way of giving back and paying it forward. And it's it just, as we're looking at the bigger picture, we need more of these relationships. One thing if I could add to that too is um, it's always willing, it's always a good idea to take that chance because you're not always going to, you're always going to know if you can find these opportunities where people do believe in you, you know what I mean? And sometimes they don't work out and that's fine. But if you're not willing to take that chance, then you're not going to, it's not, you're not going to find those people that are, that are willing to give the opportunity and take a chance on you or encourage you or push you or you know, invest in you or just give you free access to come to their farm and pick up a bunch of corn and, you know, and, and, you know, give you free resources and things like that. It's, it's, you know, it's been, it's been really, really great. So Mm -hmm. take those chances and, um, someone believes in you, then you, you got to try to nourish that relationship. What would be your piece of advice to farmers as to how they can kind of build these types of relationships with people near them locally? I think it's I think it's kind of similar to kind of what I was just saying is is um, take those chances maybe maybe do a little bit of work in your area see what restaurants are popping up or what producers are around that 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 uh, are showing that they're interested in investing in their local communities and their local farmers and then um, you know go deliver some product to the restaurant give them a call you know invite them out to your farm to for you know to to see your, to see what you're doing and show them that uh, that you have something unique in, in your in your back door, because especially in the restaurant industry, and things can be moving so fast, and sometimes chefs they're not always thinking about that. So you know they're open to it, but unless somebody's like coming in or someone's reaching out to them, sometimes they forget that like those opportunities are out there. So sometimes if you just if you just if you just bring them some product and or you just reach out to them, th- then it kind of opens that door for them, you know, to 
to be like, oh, this is something that's in my area. You know, this is something that I've never worked with before. Certain different, you know, different grains and things like that. Um, produce, you know, anything. You know, just be willing to take the chance, cast a bunch of lines out there, and, and see what bites. And usually, you're going to find something. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Yetter Farm Equipment. Yetter is your answer for success in the face of ever-changing crop production challenges. Yetter offers a full lineup of planter attachments like row cleaners, closing wheels, and planter-mounted fertilizer equipment. And check out Yetter's highly popular stock devastators, cover crop rollers, and strip-till equipment. Yetter products help you maximize your inputs, save you time, and deliver a return on your investment. Visit them at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. Now let's get back to the conversation. When I was talking to Lauren last week, I, I was telling him how much I kind of kicking myself in the ass for not nurturing this more over the last couple of years. Just, you know, cause you just get caught up in all the, the small business owners, you're wearing all the hats and you got all the things going on and you, you, you drop balls and, and stuff like that. And, you know, and just seeing how, you know, regardless, he's, you've always been here, been really supportive and, you know, and my, you know, my restaurant customers are great, but like, you know, they've, they drop the ball a lot and they're not always there and they're not always like, you know, reaching out, but Lauren's always been there. And so it's like, these are the kind of relationships that I'm really learning need to be nurtured and need to keep working with you guys. And I mean, I, 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 as somebody who's overcome my own, you know, health struggles and, and, uh, you know, when I was really young, I was really, I was really overweight and, and things like that. And just didn't have a lot of health education. And, and I see the, I see the gaps in our in our society as far as like just having good food to eat, you know, and things like bread and and things like tortillas and things like that are like that's like those are foundational parts of our diet and we should be eating the highest quality products that we can, you know, and how we get that is by farmers growing really amazing grain and you know us working together to like provide higher quality products for 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 our society well, a big topic conversation the last two days has been community building this is how you do it you'll see the value in the young people as we get older you reach out to the you know that's when you start handing things to the younger people and hopefully they're capable of picking up the slack and build that community out instead of, you know, ordering it on Amazon or stuff like that. And, right. You know, the other thing Dave and I were talking about, you know, the, the whole marketing aspect, how can we help young guys like this to the next step? Yeah, initially I wanted to learn about growing corn at scale because I had this uh, very romantic idea of completely being vertically integrated myself. I was like, okay, we'll grow the corn, we'll process the corn, we'll do all that. Um, but this is so much more, if it's so much more powerful, we can work together. And if we can have, you know, if he's growing the blue or you're growing the blue and someone's growing the yellow and you know, you know what I mean? Or maybe one person's growing two different colors, you know, and the grain stores pretty well. So, you know, maybe one season you're growing one color. So you have the, the pollination, or if you have enough space, if you have enough land that yep. you can, you can keep the, you know, them separate. I mean, there's, there's more redundancy and there's more strength in that and, and we can support more farmers and there's no instant overnight successes in this you know even when you do see that glimmer of hope it takes time yeah and uh like i said you know that that's just the fun part to watch now 
how far that's ta been taken and but we're not done yet you know that's why we need to keep you know we've got Jonathan we need to find the next you know what else can we add to that and you know with, with the oh, chefs and that, other chefs we're working with you know that's, that's how we're cool. going to make them connections yeah. to find out exactly what they want but them intimate conversations when Jonathan sits there and tells us how the the texture and all that reacts that's how we know how to help the the next customer and that mm. this you know, <clears throat> on our side of it when we were milling it's and you know you're working with a especially in the flour industry and you go to a bakery and he wants his flour just so it's surprising how long it takes to get it that way mm -hmm. i mean we sent samples for two weeks to a baker in philadelphia until we we got the right size he wanted and then we thought it had a whip so we knew he wanted it you know so we went somewhere else well no nope, that was too coarse for me i want it finer <laughs> yeah 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 and it's and i i've been working with uh, a research uh team at uw uh evaluating some of the different uh corns that they're growing for for what i do um and you know, corn isn't just corn, you know, and you know, corn can have can have great flavor, but uh, it might not be great for a tortilla. It might not be great for a chip. It might not be great for polenta. It might not be good for anything. It's those, those little details that you're talking about. So it's uh, having those relationships and, and just testing things and working together is, is it's really important. Definitely. And I think what you said about like, oh, you had this vision for I'll be able to do all of it. I think with farming too, it's like that can distract you from the things that you're really good at. Yeah, absolutely. It took it took Lauren pointing that out to me that I was like, wait, no, that's just way smarter. What was I thinking? <laughs> what was I thinking? I was like moving, you know, moving so much slower because I was like more focused on, okay, how can I grow the best corn versus focus on what I'm good at, you know? You know? Well, and a lot of that goes back to, I mentioned about us doing the flour mill. You know, when we failed at that through the you know we got told we were too innovative for an innovation grant we we didn't we didn't cry in our beer we just sat back and we learned from that you know that's what pushed me to head out to north carolina and meet russell hedrick you know because i knew a little bit of what he was starting to do out there so i wanted to see firsthand how he did what he did and you quickly realize when you get to know russell it's about building the group around you, mm -hmm. you know, the whole first distillery he's involved in that it's the people he's working with, you know, he's not trying to tackle it head on by himself, mm -hmm. you know, so you take that forward and we learn from that, you know, how do, how are we going to build what, or where we want to get? It's starting to look for these young guys. And like I said, I was just fortunate enough, Jonathan an answered that ad that day, but quickly let's figure out how we can help him. Mm -hmm. You know, go at your gut on them instances. Mm -hmm. It's not always going to be right, but hopefully trust in human nature and that guy wants to try, give him a chance and see what he can do. Right. I think Russell, too, is a really good example of what you guys were talking about earlier with the regenerative group being more transparent and open about what they're doing instead of turning it into, like, a competition. Exactly. I think, you know, and what we're trying to do is you can't keep it a secret. We have to get we have to get small manufacturers involved. I've been looking for over a year to find somebody to make tacos or, or corn chips for us. And mm -hmm. You call a company. Well, you got to have a semi-loaded. 
yeah, we'll do it if you got a semi loader. Then you got four semi loads of chips. What are you gonna do with them? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, we've always wanted to find a guy to do two or three hundred pounds or a bushel or something. You know, and you could have them for advertisement when you have field days. Uh, you know, put it on our website so mm -hmm. we can sell some of them. You know, our field day runs the same way. I mean, we feed the crop. The people that come. So we we take we take our pigs and make bratwurst and you know we got a uh, a place that has vegetables that we farm vegetables and uh, you know the whole meal is from the farm, not strictly our farm but farmers around us that's doing it mm -hmm. to advertise and we you know we just put it up on the big screen while they're eating lunch. This came from here and addresses and stuff. You know that's worked really well. I mean it's changed the way that people like to eat. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, it doesn't. The flavor speaks for itself. Yeah, you know, you don't even right. need to do anything fancy right. to it. It's I mean, just being super fresh. Is, yeah, that brings forth another thing. You know, that to me, that's the next thing we need to start working on. You know, how do we you know, get like-minded people all working together, and then that makes the marketing easier. I mean, it's one thing for the farmers to be working together, but if we can start bringing the farmers, the doctors, the chefs everybody together for the same goal. And there's a, and there's a way there to pool funding too. I mean, you know, if we're trying, if we're trying, if you're trying to do something and your suppliers could help you do it so you do it better or a little faster, mm -hmm. if you want to do it faster, the advantage of having a group that's willing to share and do things. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I think uh, one thing that uh, I was real, always really hesitant about and now I'm being less hesitant about it is, is uh, you know, like kind of like what you're talking about. I don't think a lot of us are used to people being so generous with, with their time and their products or their money or anything like that. And, yes. and sometimes uh, it's a little hesitant to ask for those things or to even just express like, hey, this is where I'm struggling right. because you're not used to that. And so I think that, uh, you know, I really appreciate, you know, people like you that are so, that are so, so generous with, um, with your time and with your, you know, your your knowledge and with everything to, to try to help people, and that's it's really amazing. Sometimes you don't know you, you need help until somebody says something, and then yeah. we might be able to help, but we might know somebody would be able to help. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. Um, you know, the way to bring it home on some of this is you, we talked about vertical integration and in that right. a little bit. Well, that's all great as you're building your own business, but you quickly realize you can't do it all. You can't do it all. Mm -hmm. You know, quick vertical integration has got a lot of us to where we're at and not in a positive light. Yes. You know, it's also could be called isolation. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, you're isolating yourself from that community. Mm -hmm. You know, when's enough enough? You know, we're good at producing crops. He's good at cooking yeah, right. and producing that quality product. Sounds like a pretty good match in heaven. Now, if we can find out that right pieces to bring into that puzzle them are them little things that's going to help us build that community it works real well so nobody gets so somebody gets greedy and that's where the egos and the stuff egos like come that. in if we can yeah. keep the egos out of it it works really well yep we've done that on our place because you know we can't harvest we can't harvest 20 different varieties of something but cleaning the combine and all that you can't get it all done so we we have a conglomerate at home that's doing Red five us and and blue corn and yellow corn. We can do it too, mm -hmm. you know, and we do it. So if we have a problem that maybe it's 
got too much vomitoxin in it for you. But the, the other guy don't have any, you know, I mean, uh, so that's the, we put a, net, a network together that's helping us and we share in the rewards, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, if we mill their flour and sell it, they get a higher percentage. Mm -hmm. you know, it's almost like a co-op, but not a co-op. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. yeah, that's awesome. But, you know, we had to buy spelts from somebody, you know, and we, we clean spelts and mill them and de-beard them and, and make flour, you know. As you build, you know, we built this not knowing what was going to happen. So we bought a machine that we could hand, I mean, we could find it, hold on, buy. I mean, you know, it was mm -hmm. a 30 inch mill, it produced about 300 pounds of flour or a meal a day or an hour. And all of a sudden, we got guys wanting 25,000 pounds a day. Well, you have to say no till you figure out where you're going to go. Yeah. You know? Because I don't want to go spend $100,000 for a mill to satisfy him and then because we're a half a cent too damn high, he goes somewhere else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because he's taking so much volume, he thinks you ought to do him a favor. Yeah, I ran, yeah, I ran I, into that. Yeah, yeah, I ran into that with a huge restaurant customer. A very right. similar thing happened. If you invest a lot of time, energy into one person, and they they decide to decide to go, you're kind of you're left holding the bag, and that's yeah. not. We were doing real well at fifteen hundred, <clears throat> two thousand pounds of cornmeal a week for him, and then his brewer come. And, you know, he's all thrilled about what we're doing. And he loves the he loves the beer that he's making. And he says, "Now we want twenty five thousand pounds a week." And all I could do is say, "We can't do it." And then they back totally backed away from us. You know, I mean, it, that was hard hard one to digest. You know, I was trying to talk Jay into doing this, and he said, and Ann says, "Well, he talked about changing his process. So why do you want to spend that kind of money if he's going to change his process?" You know, and so you know, you just. But, uh, well, it's like, surprising how how fast it grows. We picked all that on hand, yeah. by hand on here. <clears throat> I mean, we didn't know exactly what we were doing. <clears throat> you know, I figured worst case scenario, by picking it on the ear, it's pretty enough. People could make decorations out of it and all that. Yes, right. And, you know, the ad on Facebook, I was doing market research. I had a picture of red, white, and blue ears of corn yes, and, yes. Uh, you know, just showed them. And I just put the husk together and, you know, thought of the tamales, but never thought we'd get hooked up with tamales and stuff like that. But, you know, it's all taking a chance, trying to throw a dart. And, uh, you know, a lot, of, we're, a lot of that's going to the brewery now, and like the malt house, they're getting a bunch of it. Is it big business? No. But it's building. Mm -hmm. You know, it's taking time, but we're getting there. You know, we had eight acres of open pollinated corn this year, so... Long ways from that first year, or an acre or half an acre, whatever it was, and every year we're trying to build a little more. But now, you know, this year probably the biggest thing we learned this year with the open pollinated corns and that is some of the newer herbicides don't work. You know, they're hard on these older varieties and stuff like that. And and then the wildlife, they they kind of like it a little well, bit. <laughs> more flavor. So yeah. Yeah. Higher in protein. I mean, the corn that Lauren's growing or we're growing, you know, we're the red corn's got about 11% protein, the blue corn's got 12, and the yellow corn's got 14, you know. That's a lot of protein, right? Yeah, corns. yeah. Now, how that affects a taco, I don't know, but you know, it'd be fun to find out. Well, yeah, yeah that, that's the next step we need to start thinking about how we're gonna, that's why I say with the nixtamalization, we talked about that last week, you know, is there better nutrient available after the process? And right, yeah. Right. And Common sense would say there should be. Yeah, no, and that's something I really want to, I want to see too, like legitimately, like through like 
like testing is because that's always been the story is like, you know, it's more digestible and, you know, there's more nutrients that are available. So like, what is, what's the difference there, you know, or some nutrients, hopefully there's not any nutrients being lost, but is there, you know, is there more calcium? Is there, you know, is it, is, you know, what's, what's, what's actually changing? Um, we're doing, we're doing <clears throat> micronutrient tests and, and mineral tests on the corns that we're growing for human consumption. Mm -hmm. So I have those figures. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, a lot of people don't do that. You know, when you look at a, a you know, a nutritional label, like in, in, in a grocery store, most, you don't, you just see the, the macros and you don't really ever see any of the micronutrients, which is sometimes is more important. You know what I mean? If you're missing, you know, certain key well, micronutrients. You know, what, I at, what I was trying to figure out is since we've been working with these doctors and they keep talking about all the things they can do health-wise, well, you know, if a doctor calls me and says, oh, we got a guy that needs uh, zinc, and we're going to prescribe him to go buy it. Well, and I have variety A that has 10% more zinc than any variety I got. And I could get it to him as cornmeal or even as a, you know, whatever you're doing with it. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe both. Yeah. And he don't have to buy a pill, but he gets a healthier commodity, you know. I think that's an answer. Oh yeah, certainly. I mean, most, I mean, you think most supplements usually aren't even in the the correct form for the being bioavailable for your body right. you know so it's like well if it's food it's a, it's going to be more bioavailable versus like a some rock powder vitamin or some right. some you know if it's not chelated or in like the right form you know just like listening to different podcasts with with you guys and and john and people that are like really talking about the minute details of just certain nutrients that you know if you're applying it to your to your crops or your soil and it's not in the right form well it's not going to, your plant's not going to be able to use it, you know, and it's same thing with the, the human body. So, well, you guys are giving me hope for the future. That's for sure. <laughs> These are two men who gave me a lot of hope as like a young, as a young person, like just listening to the way you guys talk and how passionate you are about agriculture, like the, the, the proof in the pudding of what you're doing and how it's impacting your soils and things like that. And vast majority of people don't realize that everything with climate change and that whole, that whole conversation is real. But I mean, when you have people that are legitimately doing things that, uh, that can help mitigate that and improve our food system and things like that, like people need to know about that. Do we need a machine that can capture carbon and put it into something that you can put underground or do you let plants do it? Things like you're doing to publicize what we're doing and bring it to where to the public. You know, we can stand there and talk among ourselves, but if you don't get out on the media, <clears throat> it's never gonna make it. Yeah. See, that, that right there gave me hope just hearing that, that common people are talking about. John Q. Public cares and watches what we do. Thanks to Lauren Steinlogge, Jonathan Correa, and Dave Brandt for today's conversation. If you missed the first two episodes of this series with Lauren, catch up at no-tillfarmer.com slash podcasts. Transcripts of all episodes are available there too. Many thanks to Yetter Farm Equipment for helping to make this No-Till podcast series possible. From all of us here at No-Till Farmer, I'm Michaela Pogner. Thanks for listening.